This is the Pickle Planet Podcast with Jenna and Tosh. Sit back and get a drink. Let's talk about parenting and how to survive it. Hello and welcome to the Pickle Planet Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jenna Morton. And I'm Tosh Taylor. (laughs) I say I'm here with Tosh because we're recording this uh, on a video call so I can see her even though we are not physically with each other, just to be clear. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nor are we with our guest today either. Now, uh, you'll know our guest. Our guest is Carrie Gaskin. We love, 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 love to have you on the show with us because you bring so much insight and so much wisdom. And that's something that we need desperately right now. Well, thanks. I hope I have some. Uh, I think you always do. Well, let's just kind of jump right into things here. And uh, obviously, Carrie, you know, we love talking with you because we love kind of getting your insight on, you know, what we can all be doing in terms of protecting our mental health, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. And obviously, there are so many different avenues about that, that we can be talking about in this, you know, as we're recording this, uh, I have written down that it's day 25 of this. (laughs) And I think there are probably still some people who are struggling with the now. What tips, what, what do you want to say to people who are struggling right now? What do we think we need people to hear? It's okay. It's okay that you're struggling. I think that, I think that that's the most important thing to remember is that there is no single human on this planet who has expertise in this. This is, this is a completely unprecedented experience for us as humans, you know, whether in our collective or individual experience, we don't, we don't know this. This is not familiar. This is not something where we can say, oh, hey, let me check in this textbook that'll tell me about how to react to this, right? Yeah, we had Spanish flu back in 1918, but we didn't have, you know, mass transit, social media, um, you know, extremely dense urban population. We didn't have those things. And so we don't have a frame of reference. So to be struggling, I think is just so perfectly authentic, normal, human. And we are all, every single one of us, and I don't care who you are, we're all struggling with this. So it's okay. The first week I was like, okay, it's a week. I got this. Like it's two weeks off school, no big deal. And I thought I would get into a routine and that it would get easier as it went on. But now I'm discovering it's getting harder day by day by day. I'm finding it harder and harder and harder to get through it. And I think it's more so Uh, And maybe with the kids and yesterday it became real for my kids that they really weren't going back to school when both their teachers called to, you know, tell us what was going to be happening with their school. And I'm finding my mental health is struggling, but my seven-year-old is like not doing well with this at all. She's very, very social and she's having a really hard time with like realizing, okay, well, I'm not going to see my friends for what feels like a year before I get to see them back in school. It's true, right? And I think I think you hit on it exactly right there was that notion that for the first week or two we were all kind of like, okay, I can do I can do anything for a week, right? I can do anything for two weeks. This is this is a really interesting social experiment that we're all in. We can do this. I'm, you know, hashtag blanking the curve, doing my part. Oh wait, we're still doing this thing? What do you mean? Right. And there's, there is that realization. So in that first two weeks, everybody was like, Hey, we're crafting. Oh, we're doing this awesome family activity. Look at us being so connected and super awesome, you know, tight family, hashtag family love. And now it's like hashtag day drinking, right? (laughs) You're seeing that. And, and I think the reality has set in that this is a longer term thing than we anticipated. And again, it's okay to be saying, 
I don't know what to do. It's okay to be saying, you know, I'm filled with anxiety or stress or irritation or my temper is short or I want to sleep all the time or I can't sleep. And if we as adults are experiencing that and we have fully formed, you know, prefrontal cortexes to process the information that we're taking in, what about our kids? The kids who are hearing bits and pieces of the information and kids have an incredible capacity for filling in the blanks, but not always in the, in the accurate way. So they can be really catastrophizing things, creating much scarier, bigger stuff than what's actually happening. So I think that you know, what you're noticing, Tosh, where in week three, that your kids are saying, I'm, I'm now I'm really upset, now I'm really worried. I think that's probably a normal, whatever the heck normal is right now. I think that's a normal reaction, a normal response. The question is, well, what do we do with it, right? Yeah, hundred percent. And I think that's, I think that you know that that question of what do we do with it is is the key. I actually, this is this is really timely. You know that I've got a couple of kids. My four-year-old, she's you know she's our wild child who just she just does her thing and she's cool. Our ten-year-old though, in fifth grade, last year of elementary school, getting ready for middle school missing her friends. And we had, we had a, a big talk last night um, about all her feelings. And she said, mom, I don't know why, but I want to cry. And I said, yeah, yeah. Do you need, like, do you need to cry? Let's sit down and let's do that. And she said, I don't know why. And I said, you know what, honey, there is news everywhere. We're being inundated. Our kids are being inundated and they don't know how to process it. So it creates all of this uncertainty, this challenge, Yes, she can kind of intellectually say, well, there's a, there's a really bad germ. It's making people sick and we need, to be, we need to be aware of that and distancing ourselves from people that we love and care about intellectually, right? There's, there is that capacity for that. But there's also that emotional piece that says that it's not fair and my life is supposed to be safe and fair and beautiful because I'm 10. And she looked at me last night and said, mommy, I just want to be like Rowie who's four and is innocent and doesn't worry about this stuff. And my heart broke, right? And I think right now, that's what's happening with so many of our kids. They're in this place where they're, they're recognizing things that they should never have to recognize. And so as the parents, as the caregivers, as the people who love these tiny little humans, it's our job to give them a safe space to feel, to sit down with them and say, yeah, it's okay to cry. Let me cry with you. It's okay to be mad. Let's be mad together. It's okay to think it's hilarious to have chocolate chips and Nutella for breakfast. Not in my house, but maybe <laughs> Nutella for breakfast. If we had those things, we'd be having them for breakfast here. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> they were not on the essential list. <laughs> Thankfully, we, we have a, a solid stock of Nutella, peanut butter cups, and chocolate chips in our house. They are, you know, they are par for the course in our family, apparently. Um, we have the chocolate I, chips. I did have a chocolate chip cookie for breakfast the other day. There you go. See? No shame. I, I knew we were simpatico. You know, I think it's, it's really important just to whatever they're feeling, to sit and feel it with them, to give yeah. them that permission, that space. I think that's so important. We've been having that conversation in our house a lot too, of just, you have to get through that feeling and yeah. there's no timeline as to how long it's going to take you to get through that. And it's, you know, there was one blog post that was written a long time ago, a year or two ago that got shared around a lot that was exactly about that. It was fantastic. And it was about as a parent, we always want to protect our child. We want to prepare them for what's going to happen. And that idea of, you know, sometimes 
we just have to be there while they go through it. That's what our role is. We can't do anything to change the situation. We can control how we react or what we say, and, you know, certain things like that. You know, we've made an effort in our house to not turn on the radio as much as we used to, or to make sure, you know, when I want to listen to the news conference because I want the news, I move myself somewhere else so they don't have to hear it all because we have very clear conversations with them because like you said, I think it's important for them to have some of that factual information and that, you know, varies child to child as to what works for that child, but making sure you fill in some of those blanks so they're not filling them in is so important. And then just that, yeah, just being there and yeah, sometimes you just have to be there while they cry their way through. Exactly. And I think, you know, it's important that, we, we recognize that our kids have already heard about the virus. They've already seen newscasts. And before school was canceled, they were already talking about it on the playground. Um, and the worst thing we can do is avoid talking about it, right? That's the worst thing we can do. We need to give them that space to, to talk about it because not talking about things can actually make them worry more, right? As we talked about, they fill in the blanks. So we take on the news and that's our role. We take on the news and we filter it in an age appropriate way for our kids so that we make sure that they're getting news as they need it, right? So the, we step in and we acknowledge their fears. Yeah, this is scary. It's scary for everybody. Mommy and daddy are scared too, but you know what? It's okay. We're safe in our home. We are safe. We're doing the, we're doing the right things. And the people who are in charge of stuff are doing the things that they're supposed to do. And isn't that great, right? And we talk about it that way. We can spend time talking about the things that we're doing to keep them safe. You know, practicing the hand washing, like Rowie at four, man, she is a rock star hand washer and she checks in with all of us to make sure we're doing it properly. Like she's got her nails going, she's doing the thumb, she's up on the wrist, backs the hands in between. I'm like, I'm going to do a video so everybody can see how to wash your hands because she's awesome at it. And it's just become natural. So they understand those things. You know, they know that, um, you know, mommy doesn't go see clients in the hospital anymore. And that that's because I'm doing things to keep us safe. I'm making sure that we're doing things. They don't need to know all the details. They just know that now mommy's working from home or cottage, right? (laughs) Um, And we make those shifts. Um, It can be really helpful to just check in with your kids and find out what they already know. I was just going to say on that, on that point of information, I think it's really important for people to think about where they get their information and how they're sharing that. And it's not just like the source in terms of making sure that it's a proper source and you're not just, you know, asking a Facebook group on how to do things. But in terms of sharing it with a child, it's much easier to sit down with the newspaper and slowly read through the headline or, you know, a little snippet and have the chance to talk through that. Whereas when it's video or audio, it's coming at you and you can't process it in the same way. And so that's something we've done, you know, our daughter's in grade three and she's a really great reader. We're one of those families, we get the newspaper. So she's used mm-hmm. to having the paper. And I think a lot of families have kind of moved away to, you know, the online news gathering sources. Mm-hmm. And I think people need to take that step back and remember, yeah, if you want factual information you can share with your kids, bring it up as a web news story the visual and the audio, because that is so in your face and so hard to process quickly for anyone. And I say this as someone who worked in broadcast in news, (laughs) go to print, (laughs) unless you want to do like the lovely little Lego video of Justin Trudeau's speech. I mean, that, that is kid-friendly video, but 
you know, when it comes to trying to have those conversations, don't just think of it in terms of it coming from a factual source, but also something that you can read with your child is going to be easier to mm -hmm. take in than the audio. Absolutely. I think that's, I think that's a really good point. And, you know, I'm noticing how much I actually touch my face. I'm like, Oh, I do that a lot. Um, but yeah, finding, finding a source that is, is easy to digest in small chunks. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed, and it's really great, and we're a CBC family, right? Of course. And, and CBC kids has always been part of our like weekend fair. And they've now done this the stay at home crew. And they've done some great little, little kind of little tiny segments where they're talking about, okay, we're staying at home and this is how we're doing things. And it's with their puppets, right? You know, Gary the Unicorn, who is awesome, and the security guard. And, you know, it's just, it's just some really fun um, that are age appropriate, even for, you know, 9, 10, 11 years old, because it's, it's accessible and it's not scary. And thinking about scary, one of the things that, that I think we forget about sometimes is how much children pick up on I'm going to go all woo-woo here and say our energy, our vibe, whatever. Um, but if we're feeling super anxious, if we're, if we're, you know, tense and worried and agitated, they're going to feel it, right? Kids have a remarkable sixth sense for that stuff. So it's really important that we practice calming and grounding techniques too. And I will often talk about doing, you know, some co-regulation, um, you know, four, seven, eight breathing where, if I'm starting to feel, you know, a little bit accelerated, I would inhale through the nose for four, hold for seven, exhale for eight. What's really cool? That's 19 seconds. It's a perfect thing to practice while you're washing your hands. So you practice your calm breathing while you're washing your hands, right? That's perfect. So and so my daughter said to me, yeah, mom, you do that. You wash your hands, you practice your calm breathing, and then you go plus one to finish washing. And I'm like, well, great, that's awesome. And so that kind of breathing, it, you know, it drops our cortisol levels. It slows the heart rate. It gives us a moment to just redirect our thoughts back to the present moment instead of into that anxious space. What's really cool, because you are practicing still social and physical connecting with your intimate family, right? I'm still hugging my kids. If your kids are feeling dysregulated and they can't get into that breathing themselves, hold them and you do it. What's really cool, after two or three cycles of that, they're breathing calmly too. And it's a great way to, to maintain that connection and that feeling of safety and security and get your kids regulated. And, you know, as a side bonus, so do you. I was thinking about any apps or other sources that we can use. Like now would be a prime time to teach your kids to meditate or to relax or maybe even get them into yoga, even though I cannot get my kids into yoga as hard as I try. Uh, <laughs> but do you have any, like, any apps that you can think of right now that might be super so, helpful for parents? So there's different kinds of apps or programs. Um, one of the favorite programs among um, the parents that I work with and kids is GoZen. It's a full program um, where they practice the mindful breathing and actually the 478 breathing comes from that program. Um, and it's, it's animated. It's a little bit goofy, I'm going to be honest, but it's, it's great. That's a great one. Our kids love the Calm app. It's about $80 for a year subscription. So it's not, you know, super expensively priced. We like it because it's got sleep stories. It has a breathing app or a breathing component to it. It has music, lullabies. It has um, master classes for adults or kids around you know, anxiety or depression or worry. So it has all of those things in it. We really like the Calm app. Breathe, B-R-E-E-T-H-E -E, is another great one. 
Um, so that's, that's one that's really helpful. So those would be some good apps. Great resources online. Um, Child Mind Institute is always a fantastic resource. The Child Mind Institute, they always have really great information. Um, Anxiety.org is a really great source as well. So there's, there's lots of resources happening. I'm doing a Facebook Live every day, every morning at 10.15 to just kind of check in with folks and give them tips and tricks. Um, the CMHA of New Brunswick, Canadian Mental Health Association of New Brunswick, has partnered with myself and with another um, group of therapists at Free Love uh, Services, offering free webinars, um, support groups, Q&A with a therapist. Those are all happening kind of weekly. I did a webinar last week about talking to your kids about COVID, about maintaining routine. I did one. So there's all kinds of things out there happening. So there definitely are some great resources. And yeah, it is a great time to get into those things, but it's also a great time to just be. And on that too, I know Atlantic Wellness has moved all of their counseling services virtual. That's as right. Well. Atlantic Wellness so, has done that. Yeah. yeah. So if, you're, if your child is the one who needs someone to talk to and they're in that age range of the, was it 12 to 21, I think is where they've. They really have done a great job of shifting into that. I see clients online now. I always have, but now my entire practice has moved online and I see children through adults. My colleague, Kenzie Jones um, at InBloom is seeing people online. She sees um, age, women and girls age 12 plus. Um, so there, there are definitely some resources out there. And I think it's really important that we, we know that we can access those things and that taking some of the stuff on is helpful, but it's also equally helpful to just step back and have the screen time, the way too much screen time and eat the things that we wouldn't normally eat and that that's okay as well. So I talk a lot about the importance of routine. We as, we as humans, whether we acknowledge it or not, we depend on routine for predictability, for security, but we also like our routine to be our choice, right? And now the choice has been taken away from us and we're kind of ticked off about it. Um, so we now have the opportunity to change our routine, to make it different. And it's a great way to have a family meeting, sit down and say, okay, well, what do we want our routines to look like as a family? What does that look like? What time do we get up now? Because a lot of people have all kinds of sleep disruptions, right? We're going to bed later, getting up later, sleeping more, sleeping less, eating at odd times. So having that as a family conversation around, well, how do we want this to, to work for us? And what is our new normal? for now. Yeah, we've been doing that. We've, you know, the first week that we were home from school, I had, you know, a great daily schedule. It was a little <laughs> ambitious, but not too much. And it worked well for a couple of days. And then it was like, okay, yep, no, that's not going to be sustainable for everyone. We need to adjust. And, you know, and then like week two and three were a little different. And now this week we're back into a like, okay, here's a new routine we're going to try. And it's, it's more flexible, but it also includes a few more like, I need you to make your bed every day. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that. Like, let's keep that routine. You don't need to clean your room. But that, that's my, like, I'm not dying on that hill. You can what, have yeah, your exactly. Room, but you are going to tidy your stuff out of the main floor because I cannot handle that. <laughs> you can have <laughs> the most complete disaster you want because I can close your door and you can have control over that. I'm going to control the rest of the house. <laughs> I think yeah, that's a really good word though. That control, give your kids and yourselves an opportunity to control something because we don't feel in control about a lot of things. And, and that's, that's part of the conversation we had last night at our house was 
You know, there are things that aren't in our control. We can only control how we react or respond to them. So let's figure out what are some of the things that we can control. And Jessica, you said, they can control how messy or clean their room is. You can control whether the doors open or closed. And because so much of our, of our daily autonomy has been taken away from us, for safety, for public safety, we need to find ways where we can exercise that autonomy in, in a safe way. And that gives our children their own sense of identity. We still need to afford them the space to do that, but in a safe way. Before we let you go here, um, we I think we all know that our kids that are like probably over the age of seven are not going to come out of this being the same kids that went into it. They're going to change significantly. Do you have any tips and tricks for not letting them become OCD or or have those kind of tendencies of like being obsessive compulsive with cleaning their hands or cleaning their house or how things are controlled day to day? Any anxiety? anything like that, things that we can help our children realize that we are going to come back from this and be the, who we were before, but quite different in a way. Does that make any sense <laughs> as I ramble? It does. Oh, no, it's yes. total sense. I've been having that same conversation too of like, we need to not just think about the now, but the like long-term five, long-term. 10, 15 years from now, this moment in time is going to have a huge impact on the way these children interact with the world. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's, you know, that's an even, that's an even bigger conversation, maybe, maybe another, another visit. But I think that, that part of it is to give them that opportunity to recognize that this is not um, something that's forever. Really emphasize this is not forever. This is temporary. Yes, we have to practice good hygiene and hey, and, and maybe kind of make it a celebratory thing. Hey, look at everybody doing a really good job of washing their hands. That's awesome. So that when we're talking about regular colds and flu and, you know, stomach bugs and those things that we already know how to, we know how to take care of that and make it a, a, a part of, that's really great. In terms of, you know, prevention of the OCD and so on, it really does require just like, you know, pre-pandemic, monitoring I mean, not, you know, microscoping your kids, but, you know, being aware of what their, their regular behaviors are, what their regular affect is, and start noticing if there's anything that becomes unusual, anything that's, that's shifting into the, the compulsive, anything that's shifting into the concerning. You know your kids better than anybody else, and you'll notice if there's, if there's starting to be a shift to um, concerning behavior. That's when it's really important to get some intervention, you know, talk to a professional, look at giving them some reassurance that it's okay to feel the way that they feel. And I, I can't express that enough, can't express that firmly enough, validate and acknowledge their experience and talk, talk about it. So, Hey, what's going on? What's happening with you right now? Can we talk about that? Do you know what's happening? Speak calmly, reassuringly. Um, we don't want to necessarily enable um, unhealthy behaviors, but we do want to talk about them in a really calm way. And if you do have concerns, it would certainly be appropriate to reach out to a mental health professional and, and talk with them and maybe get some support for your child. You're right. We are all going to be different after this. We are all going to be different. My, I'm, I'm a bottomless pit of endless optimism. Um, so, so my fervent hope is that we will come out of this as like really much more awesome humans. I think yes. that is the perfect thought to end this conversation on today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for Thank coming. Thank you so and much, Carrie. You're always here for us and we really, really appreciate that. 
remind people how to find you though if they want to to tune into your facebook lives and yeah, all that kind of stuff absolutely yeah so um i am on all the interwebs currently just like everybody else um i'm at facebook at coverdale counseling on twitter coverdale cc on instagram coverdale counseling and my website is coverdalecounseling.ca. And of course, all of the counselings are with two L's because we are in Canada. Perfect. Thanks again. And you know what? If you're still hanging out and listening to the Pickle Planet podcast, we would love a review or a ratings on your Apple Podcasts or wherever you may be listening to us today. Subscribe because we've got some fun things coming you don't want to miss. This podcast was produced by Tosh Taylor of the Podcast Hub Productions. Find her online at podcasthub.ca.